0: THE BIBLE CONTAINS GREAT FINANCIAL ADVICE AND ALSO ANSWERS QUESTIONS OF MORALITY. JOIN US AS WE LOOK FOR ANSWERS TO YOUR QUESTIONS AND HELP YOU KNOW YOUR BIBLE. WELCOME TO KNOW YOUR BIBLE. WE'RE BACK TO STUDY THE BIBLE WITH YOU TODAY AND HOPE THAT WE ALL LEARN A LITTLE BIT MORE ABOUT OUR BIBLE. Uh, THE WAY WE DO IT IS WE ANSWER QUESTIONS THAT OUR VIEWERS HAVE ABOUT THE BIBLE OR THINGS IN LIFE THAT THE BIBLE MIGHT HAVE A Principle for uh, anything that you've always wondered about the Bible, we'll be happy to try to find you an answer. There's a website and a phone number at the bottom of the screen. You can use those any time, day or night, to get in touch with us and let us know what you'd like us to talk about. And we'll take your question, put it in the stack, get to it just as quickly as we can. If you give us your name and address or your email is even better. Uh, we'll get you an answer pretty quickly, but other than that, we'll get it on the program as soon as we can. Let me introduce my partner here, Toby Lever. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Steve. I'm glad you're back and ready to answer a few questions, but uh, we always let our viewers have the first one, so here's your trivia question for the day. Uh, Abraham had a famous nephew. Who was that nephew? And we'll give you the answer at the end of the program, see if you know that little bit of Bible info. And Toby drew the first question. I'm not sure it's a very good question to give to a preacher, but right. I'm, I'm going to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, the question is, is it OK to work on Sunday? And my answer to that, when everybody, anybody asks me that, is you can. I always do. <laughs> and Steve, of course, can relate as well. So uh, no, that's, of course, a little bit tongue in cheek. I understand what they're asking. Um, We work Sundays, obviously, because that's the nature of ministry and what we do in serving churches, Uh, but there's a lot of people who work on Sundays also. Um, There's police officers and firefighters and ER doctors and a whole gamut of people. Life still continues on Sunday, and uh, people do that. They maybe feel like they're doing something wrong. Um, I, I think there's Uh, a way you have to think about this we don't have a verse that can specifically point to in terms of church attendance but I would say if possible make it your goal to worship make it a priority make it a a rock in your schedule you might say Um, and the good news is we live in a time where almost more than at any other time there churches have multiple times of meeting uh, many uh, churches have live streaming and so even if you can't be there in person you can still participate and connect with the body and 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 participate in worship from a distance Uh, but that's the principle is make worship a priority uh... you've got to be careful i guess there's probably two extremes you can become overly legalistic about it and and go to one end and say well you know if you're not ever there every sunday morning every sunday night every wednesday night and and you just uh... you know there's no excuse for missing absolutely none and and you got to be there every time the doors are open and or it affects your salvation and all of that well that's that's one extreme i don't agree with Uh, there's another extreme that i also don't agree with which is just sort of whenever you feel like it whenever it works out for you whenever it's convenient whenever there's nothing else going on and kids don't have a ball game and you know we're not you know we have anything else to do might as well go to worship well I don't don't think that is in in, with the spirit and the heart of what worship is about, either. So somewhere between these two extremes, we want to make sure uh, that we're making worship a priority of our heart and of our lives. And if possible, and you can work around not having to work during worship time, I think that's great. But obviously, for everyone, that's not always possible. There's still a lot of life that happens on Sunday. So make it a priority and work work to... uh, uh, make it a big part of your life. And I really love that we do it on the first day of the week because that reminds us sort of the first priority that we should give to it. Uh, let's look at one verse from Hebrews chapter 10, which the writer says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who has promised He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Make worship a priority, uh, obviously, because it's what God wants. And uh, God wants us to do it because he knows it's good for us. And uh, so make it a priority of your week. I hope that helps you.
0: All right, viewer wants us to define a word, so what does meek mean? Uh, Meek is used in the Bible, it's in the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, so people wonder what that means. Well, it does not mean weak, and some people equate the two. They think somebody that's meek is a weak person. Uh, That's not the answer. There are a lot of very strong people mentioned in the Bible who are called meek. Uh, moses a very strong character you have to agree with that Uh, got the people out of egypt and led them for 40 years in the wilderness and uh, led battles and spoke with god and they did all sorts of amazing things and the bible says he was a very meek man Uh, i looked up some uh, definitions from dictionaries and other places so here's a few things that meek is defined as Uh, mildness uh, gentleness of spirit or humility humility towards God and toward others and I like this last one having the right or the power to do something but refraining for the benefit of someone else Uh, all of those are kind of like boiled down to humility but uh, that last one's kind of important to somebody strong they've got the right to do something or the power to do something but they refrain they, they don't do it because of their meekness uh, in that sense Jesus was very very meek uh, as the old song says he could have called ten thousand angels uh, he didn't have to die on the cross but he did uh, out of humility and lowering himself and for the benefit of of others. So that's kind of what meek means, is uh, certainly not weak, uh, but it's much closer to humility and caring more about others than about yourself.
1: All right, the next question kind of extends off of Steve's question. Uh, Somebody asks, well, if God destroys the earth, how will the meek inherit it? Well, um, first of all, uh, probably the best-known scripture that I can think of when it comes to this uh, quality of meekness is where Jesus talked about it in the Sermon on the Mount Matthew chapter 5 verse 5 is on the screen blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth this is the verse that our uh, uh, inquisitor is asking about and as Steve said it's that strength under control and and they want to know well okay if, if God's supposed to destroy the earth, and scripture does say that's true, how are the meek going to inherit it? Um, well I think there's another uh, scripture that explains that, we'll, we'll look at that in just a moment. But yeah, I think if we, uh, when Jesus says, blessed the, the meek will inherit the earth, he's actually quoting a psalm. He's quoting from Psalm chapter 37, and when you read Psalm 37 verses 4 through 10, it's exactly what Steve talked about. It's this person who uh, is able to place all of their uh, uh, abilities under control and because they are submitting themselves to God, because they're humbling themselves before God. Uh, meekness, as you know, we see it in uh, Psalm 37, is someone who commits their way to the Lord, who trusts Him who uh, trust him to bring forth righteousness and justice. Uh, He's one who can be still before the Lord because he uh, waits patiently for him. He's one who refrains from anger uh, and forsakes wrath. Um, And then the psalmist says, For the evildoers will be cut off. Those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land, Uh, the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Um, People who trust in God fully are able to wait upon God fully because they know He's going to work all things out. And they also know the more we try to exert control and and get involved and, and assert our own rights. Uh, more we're probably going to mess things up. So, as Steve said, meekness is that quality of strength under control. And uh, Psalm 37, it says, it's those who simply submit themselves fully and completely to God and they trust him in all areas of life. So, for the meek, those who do that fully, uh, they are going to have a great reward and uh, Although this earth will be destroyed, uh, there is a, a, a new heaven and a new earth. And this is what Peter talks about and writes about in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 13. So the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven, and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And I believe uh, when the meek inherit the earth, that's what we're talking about, uh, the inheritance of a new heaven and a new earth. And they receive that promise because they've been waiting on the Lord for it. So I hope that explains it just a little bit.
0: All righty. Uh, probably no surprise to our viewers that we are big advocates of Bible study. We think it's very important to study the Bible and learn what God has to say to us. Uh, We also know that a lot of our viewers are are serious Bible students. You spend a lot of time uh, reading your Bible and searching for things and uh, just learning from it. But we know we also have some viewers that just never got a regular habit of Bible study started. Uh, maybe you tried to read through the Bible one year and made it to about January 15th or so and kind of wore out, and uh, that's human. So, uh, how do you get started in Bible study? Well, we've found some different ways that uh, we've got some tools that we think work real well for a lot of people, and we're happy to offer those to you absolutely free of charge. If you want to know your Bible a little bit better, this set on the screen is the first series we have there's eight lessons in it that's just a good overview then we've got some advanced courses that uh, get in more detail about things uh, the history of the bible and the life of jesus and the book of acts and other interesting topics so you can study for a long time with know your bible study tools Uh, we've also added some online courses that uh, some people would prefer to do that uh, rather than sitting down with a paper and pencil so if you want to study online Uh, We've got some options there for you. Just log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org, and uh, that'll get you started studying on your device. So uh, any way you want to study the Bible, we'd like to help you. Uh, We think it's important to know your Bible, and this is some good ways to do it. Phone number, website on the screen, Uh, just use one of those and say, I want that free course. We'll get it going for you. So study the Bible with us. Uh, Viewers got a question about, obviously, a verse in Luke. Uh, Why does Jesus tell us to hate our family? Well, if you're not familiar with that verse, that sounds like a strange question. Uh, But if you read the verse, it seems like a strange verse. So let's read it together, Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, I uh, can't be my disciple well i gotta admit that just doesn't sound like jesus does it you gotta hate your family and that's what our viewer read so our viewer asked that question what in the world does that mean okay good opportunity to learn a little about bible study here uh, sometimes when you read something like it just just doesn't make sense so you, you see it and you think ah, that can't be what that means uh, if you've got most Bibles, or a lot of Bibles, have a little uh, strip of verses down the middle of the page. It's called cross-references. And if you look over there and see the verse that you're talking about, it'll give you another verse. It cross-references to some other place that applies to that verse. Well, if you have a Bible like that, and you're reading Luke 14:26 and you glance over there in that cross-reference column, it'll tell you Matthew 10:37. And so you go over there and read that, and the way Matthew quotes what Jesus says is this way. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Okay? Same principle, but just stated a little different way and understanding the language. We can see where those two translations come from, but that helps us understand it. Uh, Jesus isn't saying you've got to hate your family. He's saying that in proportion, and priorities, uh, if you're going to follow me, I've got to be more important than your family. Uh, compared to l- loving me, you have to love them less. Well, most translations of Luke translate that hate your family, but it really means love them a little less than you love Jesus and that makes sense to us now it doesn't make sense a whole lot if you've got a very supportive Christian family that uh, agrees with your following Jesus and encourages you to follow Jesus and helps you along with that Uh, there's no problem there but bear in mind there's lots of people uh, in this country and a lot more in the world uh, where their family turns against them if they decide to follow Jesus. There are places in the world where if you decide you're going to follow Jesus, your family might kill you, uh, might certainly disown you. And that's the kind of thing Jesus is talking about. Following Jesus sometimes is a hard choice between following him and staying connected to your family. And he's saying in those situations, you've got to love me more. So that's what that verse means. It doesn't mean we have to hate our family even though they disown us or whatever. We still love our family. We try to have that attachment. Sometimes it's impossible if someone is so uh, anti-Jesus that they kick you out of the family. But not hating the family. It's just loving Jesus more than anything else in the world.
1: Okay. Next question is one we get quite often. I really think it's fundamental to understanding uh, the uh, the story of the New Testament, the story of God and the Bible, and how that works. What's the difference between the Old and New Testaments? And in fact, the Bible correspondence course starts out with this very uh, basic uh, lesson to help us understand that. Most people who, in fact, uh, mock the Bible, make fun of the Bible, uh, jump back and forth between Old and New Testaments and show their ignorance of the Scriptures. Um, And and that's nothing against them. They just don't know and don't understand that there is a difference between the Old and the New. Um, the Old Testament was written as a part of the covenant, uh, what some call the, the Mosaical Covenant. which It was really a covenant between uh, God and the Israelites, not uh, the Israelites and Moses, but uh, the idea is that Moses gave that. It was the law and the prophets, and it was made just to the descendants of Abraham. It was specifically with him. It was not something that Gentiles were uh, held to or followed or obeyed or really even cared about as a unique covenant and arrangement between God and them. So the Old Testament contains the story of God and, and his people and how he uh, uh, lays upon them this uh, uh, covenant which contained the old law and many of the prophecies uh, therein. Uh, The main problem with the old law was that no one could keep it perfectly. Uh, There was a lot of blood shed when you look at the sacrifices required under the old law. There was a lot of worship detail given. And yet for all of the the detail uh, that we see throughout the Old Testament, uh, no one could keep that perfectly and the problem was that the law said you got to keep it perfectly this is god's standard of righteousness and holiness so the new the old testament rather leads us to this understanding whether we understand it or not that we need a savior we need someone who can rescue us from this eternal problem and that here's god's standard and here's our ability to one degree or another to meet it in other words we can't fully meet it So we needed someone who could keep it perfectly. And so that's what Jesus came to do. And when he came, he lived a perfect life, perfectly under the law. And because he lived a perfect life, he was able to die a perfect death to atone for our sins. And so the New Covenant, the New Testament, speaks of this new arrangement we have with God where we can be declared righteous not by the law, not by our righteous acts, which fall short no matter how many and how good they are but we can be declared righteous through Jesus and and the new covenant that we have under him so that's the difference between the old testament is the story of the old covenant and the new testament is the story of the new covenant colossians chapter 2 verses 13 and 14 now this won't be on the screen but I give you that reference so you can look it up at home Uh, uh, Paul writes you who were dead in the trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made us alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands this he set aside nailing it to the cross so Paul is making the case there that you know that old law was good but it created a problem that could only be remedied and only be solved by Jesus the Christ. The good news is we have a new and better covenant, that's what the New Testament, so on this program we affirm, we talk about New Testament Christianity, meaning uh, we live under the covenant of Christ, not in the old way of the written code. That was fulfilled. Now some people still try to maintain righteousness in that, but it's just an impossible task. Our righteousness comes through Christ. So we follow him and we live under the new covenant. Now let's read Romans chapter 7 verse 6. By now, by dying to, what's, to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Hope that helps explain the difference in the old and the new and why we live under the new today.
0: All right, got a history question here. Viewer says In Bible times, the government had no involvement in recording marriages or divorces. So, how did they get a divorce? Well, uh, every society, uh, whether it's a tribe in the rainforests of the Amazon or wherever, they have their own. Societal rules; they they come up with a way to deal with human problems like that, and whether there's a government or not, no courthouse around, uh, they figure out how to get it done. Now, during the patriarchal age, uh, before the Mosaic law, uh, we don't really know how they went about such things. Our viewers got a valid point there. I, I don't know what they did or how they did it, but I know. Uh, when Abraham and Lot and others were wandering around uh, nomadically, uh, they had a way to handle family problems like that. But when Moses came along and laid down the Mosaic law and all that, uh, he did allow, and bear in mind during that time, government and religion was together. It was a theocracy. Uh, God was the king, and Moses administered the law. And Jesus talked about that when they asked him about divorce, and they specifically asked him, uh, why did Moses permit divorce? Let's read that in Matthew chapter 19, verses 7 through 8. Uh, The people said, why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. So what Jesus explains is that, yes, men were divorcing their wives, sending them away for all sorts of reasons. And he said what Moses did, because their hearts were so hard, he made a rule that a man had to give a woman a certificate of divorce to show that he had run her off. It was really to protect the woman. Uh, because she had no other options in a society like that uh, once her husband kicked her out. So here was a piece of paper that proved what had happened and she could find somebody else uh, to support her and all that and get married again. uh, So when our viewer says government had no part in it, in this theocracy, Moses did allow for divorce uh, and they did have a process to go through, but it certainly wasn't like our Processes today. All right, let me invite you to visit the Church of Christ near you. We always like to mention a few of our supporters each week because Churches of Christ keep us broadcasting. And today we want to mention a couple, one in Watermill, or the Watermill Church of Christ in Springfield, Missouri. And the Church of Christ in Burlington, Iowa. Both of those are <clears throat> partners of ours and help us uh, in those broadcast areas. We broadcast from Springfield and from Rock Island, Illinois. Uh, and the folks there help us with all that, and we appreciate their support and their work. So if you live in one of those communities, uh, drop in and say hi to them. Tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible. If you're looking for a church home, I can sincerely recommend either of those uh, congregations are a great place to meet some good people and find people that study and think about the Bible like we do on Know Your Bible. So give them a visit, give them a thank you. Toby, we've got time for another one, I Okay. Think. Yeah,
1: the person wants to know, was God ever a person on earth or has he always been a spirit? Well, my answer to the question is yes. When you read the totality of the Bible, Um, we understand that uh, God was there present in the beginning. Now, when we say God, we're talking about God the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, In the beginning, it says, let us make man in our image, referring to what we call the Trinity. That's not a biblical word, but it's just a, a word that we use to help explain the concept. So, there is a spiritual element of God and uh... jesus said in john chapter four verse twenty four god is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth uh... there is this unseen idea of god god is not a physical manifestation you can't uh... see him with your uh... physical senses and uh... and jesus compared the holy spirit to the wind uh, we get a lot of wind here in Kansas, where we produce the program. You can't see the wind, but the wind can do a lot. Okay, the wind can demolish cities and and uh, take it down trees and and flip over cars. It, it's it's very powerful force, but you can't see it. Well. Uh, that that 's a good way to describe, so uh, yes, God is spirit, and there 's a spiritual part to him, and of course, Jesus himself uh, was uh, in the spirit when we're talking back to Genesis, but the story of Jesus coming in the flesh, the incarnation is the story of his life. And Colossians 1 says the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And let's look finally at John chapter 1 verse 14 and 18. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but the One and only son who is himself, God, is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So God is spirit, but he came to us in the flesh. Hope that helps.
0: Okay, thank you for your good questions today, and uh, we're going to be back next week to try to answer some more, but we've got one to wrap up here your trivia question. Abraham had a famous nephew. His name was Lot, and he got in a little bit of trouble. So <laughs> we're glad you've been with us today. Hope you come back next week. We're going to answer some more of your questions then. Until then, you have a great week.